Welcome to the Horror Unmasked podcast, where we unmask the monsters and, and explore, explore the lore. lore. I'm Amber. And I'm Lily. And today we will be dissecting Candyman. Let's get our hooks into it. There is a little boy named William playing with shadow puppets when his mother calls for him to do the laundry. We are in an area called Cabrini Green in 1977. While William goes outside to the laundry area, there is a giant hole in the wall behind him, but he ignores it and continues to wash the clothes. When William is done, a piece of candy comes out of the wall, and a tall man with a hook for a hand steps out. The police that were sitting outside hear William scream and run to investigate. It is now present day, where a gay couple, Troy and Grady, walks down the street on their way to meet Troy's sister, Brianna, and her boyfriend, Anthony. The group discuss Anthony's art and then come to the topic of housing, since Troy is a real estate agent. They talk about how white people built the ghetto that is Cabrini Green and then tore it down to develop everything around it. Trying to change the topic, Troy asks the group if they want to hear a scary story. He begins to tell them the story of Helen Lyle, a white grad student who was doing a thesis on Cabrini Green. After coming to the area, meeting the people, taking pictures, she snapped. She took a hook, beheaded a dog, and began doing snow angels in its blood. After escaping the authorities, she killed many people and even abducted a baby. There is an annual bonfire held by the community where Lyle shows up and tries to put the baby in the fire. The group of people jump her and take the baby back, to which Lyle walks into the fire, sacrificing herself. When Grady and Troy leave, Bree and Anthony get ready for bed while they discuss the art that Anthony will be showing and the story that Troy told them about Lyle. The next day, the couple is meeting with an art curator about Anthony's work, who tells him that he needs something new. Anthony tells the curator that he's thinking about starting a project on the projects and how white people have created neglected spaces for people of color. Back at the apartment, Anthony goes down a rabbit hole, researching everything he can about Helen Lyle. He then leaves to take pictures of Cabrini, getting stung by a bee in the process. Anthony jumps the fence to get better pictures of the abandoned homes when he comes across a man named William while trying to dodge the police. William invites Anthony back to a laundromat to tell him more about the lore of the community and how Helen Lyle was looking for Candyman. William tells Anthony about Candyman, how he was a man named Sherman Fields with a hook for a hand who would hand sweets out to kids. One Halloween, a razor blade showed up in a little white girl's candy, so the cops thought Fields was the suspect. William says that he found Fields in the wall of the laundry room, and when he screamed, officers stormed him down and killed him. However, Fields was innocent. Again at the apartment, Anthony feels inspired and begins to paint, which he hasn't truly done in a couple of years. Brianna gets back home, and Anthony is eager to show her his work. It is a painting of Sherman Fields, with cop hands above him, beaten so badly that his face is unrecognizable. Anthony tells Bree about the legend, how if you say Candyman five times in the mirror, he comes back and begins to summon him. 
It is now the day of the art show, where Anthony has set up a mirror inviting people to summon Candyman. Once you open the mirror, behind the wall is all of his art pieces inside the room. An art critic Finley sees the work and is immediately skeptical, saying that his work is a cliché on the gentrification cycle. Anthony gets drunk and starts insulting some of the other artists, Clive and Jerrica, when Brianna drags him out and back home. The two artists stay behind to clean up and talk shit about Anthony and Bri. When they finish, Jerrica tries to use the summoning ritual for Candyman to seduce Clive. When she finally says his name five times in the mirror, Candyman slits Jerrica's throat with his hook, then kills Clive. The next morning, Anthony is painting vigorously with his now very scabbed over hand from the bee sting. Meanwhile, Bree goes back to the art exhibit and finds Clive and Jerrica dead in front of Anthony's art piece titled, Say My Name. On the news, they discuss Anthony's piece, which now has traction due to the murders. In a flashback, we see Brianna's father commit suicide in front of her, while at the same time, the body she found at the exhibit. Brie wakes in a panic, revealing she was having nightmares about the death she has seen, and finds Anthony has left the bed. She finds him in the bathroom, where he closes the door in her face, wanting to be alone. The next day, Anthony goes to the college library and picks up all of the information on Helen Lyle. While listening to a tape recording of Lyle's, Anthony gets into the elevator, which the walls are made of mirrors. The elevator malfunctions, and a piece of candy falls to the floor. Anthony picks it up and cuts himself on a razor blade that is inside the candy. He then begins to hear raspy breathing coming from above, and when he looks up, sees Candyman staring back at him in his own reflection. Anthony is back at his studio, still listening to the Lyle tapes, painting like a madman, his bee sting getting visibly worse. Anthony then tells Bree that he's heading out, to which Bree reminds him about a dinner that they have to go to and tells him not to be late. Anthony goes to the critic's apartment from the art show, who is now interested in writing a story about his pieces and how they relate to the murders that happened. Anthony tells Finley that he's hoping to expand his collection and wants to do a solo show. He wants to continue his project about Candyman and the gentrification of black communities. He then calls the critic out about wanting to write the story, but not wanting to understand or learn more about the communities. Finley leaves to go to the bathroom, leaving Anthony to sit and pick at his scabbed-over bee sting. He picks a little too hard and begins to bleed. Anthony wraps his hand and wonders why Finley is taking so long. While wandering around, he stumbles upon a mirror in the hallway, where he sees Candyman in the background. When he turns around, he then becomes Candyman in the reflection. Anthony is freaked out, but before anything else can happen, Finley comes out of the bathroom and asks if he's okay. Anthony, still freaked out, leaves in a hurry. When he does, we see an invisible figure kill Finley, putting a hook in her neck and dragging her across the window. Anthony has made it to the dinner, where Brianna is talking to a few people who are very clearly big in the curating world. In the middle of giving her offers, they all get notifications about Finley's death, to which Anthony freaks out and runs out of the restaurant. 
He then goes back to the laundromat to meet with William, who tells him about the story that brought Helen to investigate. William tells Anthony that there are many different Candymans. Samuel Evans, killed in the 50s from housing riots. William Bell, lynched in the 20s. And the first one, Daniel Robitaille, in the 1890s, who painted portraits. He fell in love with a white woman he was painting a portrait for and got her pregnant. Her father had multiple people hunt him down, beat him, cut off his arm, and shove a hook in the stump, smearing honey all over him to attract the bees, and then set him on fire, finally killing him. That is too much. That is a lot. That is too much to to, to go through to kill somebody. Yeah. Because he's still alive for a lot of that. He's alive for the the arm cut off the hook, stump the, be- the, the honey bee stings it's too much Mm-mm. brianna is back at the apartment and goes into anthony's studio finding huge dark paintings of many people seemingly to be infected by Candyman. there's paint everywhere on the floor and on the walls anthony comes home to find brie snooping and yells at her to not look at the paintings the tension has risen as Bree asks Tony what is going on. Reluctantly, Tony tells Bree that he thinks he has brought Candyman back. Bree tries to reason with him, saying that Candyman isn't real. Wanting to prove it, she goes to the mirror and begins saying his name. Before she can get another one out, Tony grabs the mirror and smashes it on the floor. Bree is freaked out and leaves immediately. Brie goes to her brother's house for safety and to tell him what happened. Troy consoles her, but then brings up that their mom wants to close the storage unit with their father's art. Troy suggests selling or even keeping some pieces, but Brie wants nothing to do with it. In another scene, a girl that was at the art show from earlier walks into the bathroom at a high school. She had seen Anthony's work and wanted to summon Candyman with her friends. The friends are skeptical but decide to say his name five times in the mirror. It seems like the ritual doesn't work, as a girl, Trina, comes into the bathroom and straight into the stall because the girls start to pick on her for getting trashed at a party. When the girls try to leave, the door is locked. One girl uses a pocket mirror and sees something behind her. She tries to warn the other girls, but they don't listen and end up getting killed brutally by Candyman. Trina is still in the bathroom stall with headphones on when she hears some commotion and then sees blood start to pool around her. The one girl's mirror drops to the floor and Trina is able to see what is killing the girls around her. Tony wakes up in his art studio, covered in shards of glass, his nails peeling from his skin from the bee sting that has gotten outrageously infected at this point. Meanwhile, Bree is talking to one of the curators from the previous dinner, who tells her that her father's legacy and the recent murders she discovered gives her an interesting backstory. She then shifts the conversation to Anthony, saying that she's very interested in his work. Anthony goes to the hospital for his hand and discovers that he was born in the hospital near Cabrini Green and not the South Side, like his mother had told him. Tony goes to visit his mom to ask her the truth about his past and about Candyman. She tells him that he's the baby that was taken from the Helen Lyle story. She then tells Tony that Lyle wasn't the one who killed all of those people. 
Instead, it was Candyman. She reveals that Lyle actually saved Tony from the fire, pulling him out and giving him back to her. Tony's mom thought Lyle had ended everything that night, making a pact with the community to never speak his name again. Tony leaves angrily and goes back to the abandoned houses in Cabrini Green. Troy goes with Bree to her apartment to pick up some of her things and leave. Bree is worried because she hasn't heard from Tony in a while when she discovers a pen from the laundromat. Spoiler warning, skip ahead. Bree decides to go over to the laundromat, but gets locked inside the back room. When she tries to get out, William comes from the basement and grabs her. In a flashback, two girls shut their little brother out of their room when they decide to summon Candyman. When the boy opens the door again, there is blood everywhere, and he can see Candyman in the mirror. Back at the laundromat, William says they finally have a witness. When Bree wakes up, they are in an abandoned church, where William is calling the police, saying he has seen the say-my-name killer by the houses in Cabrini. William has Tony tied up, where we can see that the bee sting infection has traveled to the entire right side of his body. William begins to explain that it is now time for Candyman to take back what's his, his legend. Bree finds the laundromat pen in her pocket and begins to cut herself free. Before she can get completely loose, William takes a saw, cuts Anthony's hand off, and shoves a hook into the stump. He then cuts Tony free and puts the Candyman jacket on him. We hear the cops outside and see Bree running out of the room. Bree finds herself in a dark tunnel system and hears William singing a creepy song while chasing her. They end up outside and then into the abandoned housing at Cabrini. William finds her, but before he can do anything, she takes her pen and stabs him multiple times in the face. Anthony comes inside, where he walks up to Brianna and collapses in her arms. The police finally show up and shoot Anthony dead. The cops put Brianna in the back of their car and threaten her, saying she needs to lie about what happened to Anthony or be named an accomplice in murder. Brianna asks to see herself in the cop's mirror, and she would say whatever they want. The cop agrees, and Bree begins to summon Candyman. After she says his name five times, the cops begin to die one by one as Anthony, now Candyman, begins to kill them. Brianna escapes the cop car and comes across Candyman. Not Tony, but the original. As he puts his hook through the final cop, bees swarm him and he tells Bree to tell everyone what happened. The end. Whew. This is a very that intense a lot. It's very deep, story. Very dark. Yeah. So let's start with the basics. Before we start with that, though, oh, okay. a oh, yes. brief preface for this entire episode: there is obvious racism yeah. involved. It is a highly racially charged film, as it is focusing on black culture and mm -hmm. also during the time period that this film came out was during the heights of the BLM protests and everything. So 
we're going to be as respectful as possible, but just like be aware later when we do reviews. Not everyone is very nice. It, yeah. So just, you know, be, but I think be aware of that. It's important to talk about. So this film was released August 27th, 2021. And the director is Nia DaCosta. Mm-hmm. Or Naya, whichever. Nia, Naya. I think it's Naya. Naya DaCosta. Apologies. Mm-hmm. Naya DaCosta. Mm-hmm. Some of our main actors, Yaya Abdul, who is Anthony McCoy, Tayona per- Perry, per- Paris, Paris, yeah. Paris, Brianna Cartwright, we have Coleman Domingo. I love him. Who is William Burke, the crazy man? Yep. Um. Yeah. Those are. Our... They have a. Uh, they had a twenty-five million budget. Mm. We also have Tony Todd, who was the original. Gotcha. Original Candyman, I believe. He made a little candy. candy he did. At the end. That that was the original Candyman at the end. Was it the end? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's why I was like not Tony, but the original. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, Tony Todd. Who played Daniel Robitaille in this one, but he's the original Candyman. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. In the box office, it made almost $78 million. Not shocked. Really good. Really good. It's a beautiful film, so. Yeah. And it's pretty short. It's only 91 minutes, mm-hmm. so only an hour and a half. But it's got a really strong story. And I feel like it felt longer yes. than what it was because they put so much information in mm-hmm. there and like background mm-hmm. and lore. It got an 84 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And it's so many production companies. We've got Monkey Paw mm-hmm. from Jordan Peele, MGM, yep. and Universal Pictures. Yep. So I'm surprised if I would be surprised if they yeah. don't do a house at some point. Oh, oh, I would be shocked, especially because they've already done the um, Bugs Eaten Alive, so this would be an easy one to do. Right. But God, this um, this movie's intense. Yeah. It made mm, skin itch. <laughs> I didn't get that sensation, but I get why people would. Like, made my skin itch. Just him picking at his scams and shit, just like, mm-mm. No, mm-hmm. thank you. That just was gross. Yeah. And him pulling out his fingernail. That was that was nasty. Nasty. But yeah. I relate to that, because I've had a toenail pulled, and that was not fun. My big gross. toe, too. So. That's so gross. Yeah. <laughs> this is a heavy, like, lots of history. So, this is... We're going to try and keep this episode not from going too crazy long. Yeah. Um, but there's so, so we, much background information and just yeah, things we that are important condensed to talk about. a lot of it. We have our Emmy and ADG award nominated production designer, Cara Brown, who was the one who helped create a lot of the stuff for Candyman. Mm-hmm. And obviously they were finding local black artists in Chicago basically to decorate and up and have in like the different shows and all the different art that was in the homes and stuff. And yeah, they definitely wanted to um, reflect the story of gentrification while still planting a couple seeds from the original 1920s film. Obviously, it's set in Chicago. And they wanted it mainly to be at Cabrini. But when they were looking for different locations, they actually found uh, the loft. That's their apartment, basically. Mm-hmm. They were reading a book. And a lot of people who had lived in the towers that were originally there worked in factories around the area. And there were a lot of warehouses that had been converted into luxury lofts and stuff. Ooh. And since obviously they were telling the story of gentrification, they looked at those places and they ended up finding a place that had an apartment for sale and it w- it had the studio that outlooked on Cabrini, which was perfect, um, which added to that feeling of connection to it. And then it also helped the actors themselves get into the headspace because they were able to walk around and like there's like yoga studios, coffee shops, and then you walk a couple blocks over 
and it's just remnants of where like the towers were Mm -hmm. and that helped like balance the tension and like bring it to the forefront because it's this you know industrialized area but it's there's like remnants of destruction yeah yeah they had a, a lot of like i said black artists cameron spratley and sherwin ovid they got to showcase their work uh, by decorating, obviously, the characters' apartments. And they found a whole bunch of different artists along the way. They had an art curator named Hamza Walker to help put together the shows and stuff. That's pretty cool. And they were, I guess, Hamza's a deeply respected figure in the art world. And he was able to bring the incredible artists that they wouldn't have been able to work with otherwise to the project. And like all the art and sculptures and Nia wanted an interactive uh, video piece so they were able to work to not only put a theme and a story together but also the architecture of the scenes like in the different areas and like it's funny because Anthony's piece for that little art show that first one that they're encountering is intentionally supposed to be underwhelming and that's how they get into like the bathroom mirror piece with the artwork behind it they wanted it to be a a stumble for him in terms of his art because it's supposed to be like he's he's leaning on old habits and not like expanding yeah that kind of that came across that came across yeah Yeah. just as an artist in general being people who are artists in Mm -hmm. general yeah leaning on classic techniques yeah don't always help true grow yeah you know finding inspiration to grow off of can also be just as difficult i mean i liked the idea of like the mirror and then having the artwork like in the room behind it but i'm not gonna lie the artwork itself was like yeah and that was intentional yeah yeah obviously it just showed he's more into the concept of candy man than yes because it's candy man first that's the mirror and then his art is behind it. exactly exactly it's also interesting as a thought process for the film itself it's the Mm -hmm. idea of the character's focus is more on candy man yeah yeah that he's he's more interested in figuring out what's going on in that story Mm -hmm. than his own yeah future yeah um which is very foreshadowy Mm -hmm. extremely but yeah they wanted to take obviously the seeds from the original but they wanted a different look they didn't want to go down uh the the road of like a derelict graffiti from the first film but they thought it would be great to have those seeds in it Mm -hmm. hamza brought in a local chicago artist named tubbs so that his work black and white graffiti in the gallery when anthony was poking around and and in the road houses Mm -hmm. they did a little uh spin on clive barker's original drawing for the Candyman monster in there as well so like on like the walls there's like a it's his it's the artist tubs so let me talk about that for a second yeah candy man originally from clive barker's uh books of blood yeah and that's just like a book i actually have it that's why i was like oh cool i have that book so i'm probably gonna read it now the book of blood yeah the books of blood like it's a collection of that's cool many stories and this is just one of them that's in there huh yeah originally it was a short story about a graduate student who um like tries to investigate some urban legends and it's set in liverpool Oh. And he like it says he conjures up supernatural forces in a decrepit housing estate. Oh, so it's gotcha. very much like that, but yeah. I love how they've turned it into like a story about gentrification yeah. and like the um brutalities of black people in America. Yeah. Very clever. And so now it's just 
I found a thing where it says, now he represents a manifestation of the brutalities, horrors, and disenfranchisement of the African-American community that were especially present in their corresponding eras. So, like, um, every single Candyman that there has been, like, represented a a point in time where, like... Horrific things things were were happening. And, like, they each were different. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, Yeah. yeah. And how each candy man is a black man who has been like wrongfully accused executed yeah so yeah yeah so that's just where candy man comes from there's no like way back in the day or whatever yeah this was created it was just a short story that clyde barker made that grew has into been its taken own lore. And, yeah so the original film uh was directed by bernard rose and so obviously there are lots of different inspirations from different legends obviously bloody mary is present you say bloody mary in the mirror a bunch of times she's gonna show up so scratch your face off yeah (laughs) they've taken many different pieces of different things and like put them into this yeah so it's just inspiration from everywhere um the history of black culture clive barker's stuff different types of legends He's just a one big conglomeration of yeah, <laughs> lots of history. Yeah, lots of history is is the root of this film. So like when they started, I guess scouting and stuff in the area, they went to the fields where the towers were originally, and it's literally just a field. The area was like completely gentrified, and they when they were there, they were like, it's actually really unsettling because there are some bits of it that haven't been built yet, but then. It's surrounded by lots of, like, obviously new luxury towers, like the yoga studios, coffee shops, and stuff like that. And it's a strange juxtaposition. And the area where the towers used to be, people just kind of use as a park now, I guess. There's so much, like, there's a lot of history to Cabrini itself. Yeah. Um, I guess when it first came to be, like, Cabrini itself, like, 11 people were murdered and, like, almost 40 people shot. Yeah. Like, within that just first little area and apparently it w- it used to be called suede town and then little hell Oof. yeah because everybody was in poverty and there was yeah. just a whole bunch of bad shit yeah, yeah for the most part yeah and i guess also while they were scouting and looking around they ended up having to also look outside of where they were originally planning to film and so they found like row houses and everything like that so that they would have some other locations to shoot and mm-hmm. then They also had the church, which was not in the original film, but was very interesting and powerful Mm -hmm. image because it's kind of the, you know, the derelict nature of it. But yeah, most of the stuff is abandoned except for one street, apparently. So which was even kind of touched on in the in the film. It's the residents were moved to that one street and then they the other homes were condemned. It's three streets. There's the condemned housing with one street. And then there's Archlight Cinema, I guess that was near there. And Brower and Naya went there to go see a movie. Mm-hmm. And they were like, let's drive through Cabrini. And because they were still trying to get the layout of it. And they drove down the one street where the residents are. And there was a cop car stationed at both ends of the street. Mm. And they were like, we have to put this in the movie. Yeah. And so when the character of Will Burke says the cops are stationed on either side of the street, we don't know if they're keeping us safe or keeping us in. Yeah. So it's definitely that, you know, darker side Mm -hmm. of it so also the shadow puppets throughout the whole thing those were so cool very cool and i guess they were from a group called manual cinema Mm -hmm. basically it was a company in chicago 
that that's basically like their main thing. That's all they do is shadow puppetry and that they were a theater company and they do some like videos and things like that, but they'd never done anything on the scale of like this film. Mm-hmm. And it was like really, those were such a cool yeah, a little added part detail. of that, like a storytelling portion. Mm-hmm. And then just the idea of like, you're getting the backstories of also the previous Candymen, you know? Yeah. Getting, getting some of those o- older stories through the shadow puppet work was really cool. And they were mm. beautifully done. Yeah. Like, it was such a fascinating... You don't get a whole lot of interesting cinematic stuff. And I feel like the shadow puppets were really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. I love that kind of art style. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Especially since a lot of the movies art related. Yes. And then they added that. That just made it seem more... Yeah. Very artistically driven. Yes. Film. And then the special makeups effects designer j anthony coser which i found out uh was one of the winners of face off i love that show i love that show so it's so it was very exciting to actually find out that he was actually responsible for bringing uh many of the iterations of Candyman to life yeah yeah especially the gnarly transformation that triggers trypophobia it was gory i wouldn't say it does it in the movie because it's so dark in the movie when it like i mean my skin still itched throughout the whole film that whole that movie made my skin itch so i guess i'm not as sensitive to that which is strange (laughs) because body horror Uh, yeah for you it was the arm that probably getting the cut off was gonna be yeah more of it and the shoving of the hook mm-hmm. but yeah it, it like it's actually kind of fascinating because it started small with a simple be- bee sting and then it slowly took over his body mm-hmm. and they have they had several stages do you think that was Candyman possessing him um i think it was the soul of Candyman. i That's, feel like yeah. Candyman isn't like any of the previous men it's just kind of like an entity of in itself that no, then takes over i agree but that's what i'm saying i think yeah. that's how i love it when people do other things different than vomit in the mouth like that's gross yes. i think the bee sting was a really fascinating, fascinating concept way. yeah because it like you know it makes sense it touches back on the horrible death of the the very first candy man with the bee honey for sure and that's really fascinating Mm -hmm. and like yeah so getting into the stages of the transformation of him becoming Candyman, it was a lot so it started it was quite a bit so it it started with obviously the first bee sting which was just a little tiny welt there was a one-to-one and a two-to-one prosthetic as it got a little more filled with pus and stuff like that. Ew. Yeah. Stage two spread a little bit bigger and was starting to erupt in different blisters. <laughs> Stage three was the one that we saw quite a bit where it was a big giant scab. I didn't like when he pulled it mm-hmm. off. That's the scab. I and yeah. He was like, that's the scab he ended up picking off, mm-hmm. which became the 3.2 the uh, and then the stage four is where he wakes up after he has an argument with Brianna and it, he's in a studio and he wakes up on the floor and pulls his fingernail off was stage four. Nasty. And then it's all the way up his arm at that point and starts to go up the side of his face. Yeah. So that was four. And then five was the final stage right before his arm came off, which was completely de- deteriorated and rotten. So his whole arm and everything was rotten. The arm was pretty much dead at that point. Mm-hmm. So that so was... does he even really feel his arm getting nope. cut off? Like, nope. Because he made noises. Yeah. He made noises, but he... Yeah. I think he was so taken over. I want to know why he didn't go to the hospital sooner. I know. You don't see that shit the growing second, like that. 
my hand Started is like bigger. that. Hell no, no. that's a hospital. Run to the hospital. Get that shit checked out. Hell yep. no. So that was stage five with a couple of tweaks to some of those stages. Then as far as the honeycomb stuff, that started progressing up the side of Anthony's face. They had stages of that. One, you see just a little bit. It was on his arm, chest, shoulders, neck, and just on his jawline, which we saw when he was talking to his mother. And then stage three was pretty much the final Candyman look when it fully took over him in the chapel. That went all the way to his entire arm, chest, shoulders, part of his back, and the entire side of his face, completely with contacts and everything. And here's what's even crazier. So while they were filming, apparently some of the days they were putting on layers of this and then having to pull it back off to do other stages of the previous ones or completely removing it to do something before he even got the bee sting. And then it was basically they had to like pay attention to the script and like what they were going to shoot because they kept having to take stuff off and put stuff on and it would be they would were in and out like having to swap between all the different stages that's so chaotic. it was crazy that's a lot a lot went into this yeah and i mean and anthony um he uh anthony kosar he knew that the trypophobia was going to trigger people and be that's extreme as of guys. recent like people have really been bugging yeah. out over trypophobia yeah yeah so and like you know he had fun with the different sizes and stuff and like how it erupted no, but don't say that don't say that it's <laughs> it's it's actually interesting because it's a very thin piece and he just worked with like playing with dimension and everything because it still looked like the dude's skin yeah you don't want it to be too far raised so it had a lot to do with how they were painting it and mm. and everything and it was a four hour application process Damn. yeah that's that's a long drive yeah and then kind of my last little thingy here is basically every time someone died it was meant to be kind of off camera or in the shadows yeah because yeah. it's you know he, they believe that things that are scary far away are much more frightening than things that are close up um mm. yeah because it's it has to do with like jordan peele's approach to horror Mm -hmm. that things from a distance are scarier than things up close yeah i mean to a certain extent like when they when the um critic was being killed i couldn't even really tell what was happening yeah yeah until i like rewound it and like looked at it and i was like oh "Oh, no shit yeah when i saw it the first time i was like oh shit she's just being dragged across that fucking window because i almost didn't see it because they like zoomed out so far yeah yeah but like the bathroom scene when the girls are being killed around the corner oh yeah oh yeah that one got me that got me not gonna lie that was creepy that was definitely more frightening yeah and like that's with every kill because you don't even really see anthony getting shot no very no. much and like all the cops are dying in the shadows and yeah and uh well the only ones that you really really see are like clive and jerica from the beginning i mean you see a little bit of the cops just because like one dude gets his jaw fucking ripped off and yeah but he's just kind of like gored open and yeah it's dark it's creepy it's dark it's, it's gory <laughs> I definitely, this movie definitely appeals to Kairos. I was talking about this earlier, but yeah, a lot of people in these reviews were brutal and I had to stop reading it. Um, yeah. These one star reviews. This movie came out in a time that social injustice was was a very strong component of how society was and what society was trying to like fight and deal with. Very strong. So obviously this movie is going to have 
some very strong political content. viewpoints and standpoints yeah. not even that like i don't understand why it's all political because these are, it's just human fucking right it's socio-economic yes bullshit it's that. dealing um, with all of the chaos of like just treat people like they're people so i understand why some people might think that this movie is a little much but at the same time these are things that people experience all the time, all the time, daily basis. Yeah. And if you're not black, you're not really going to know that. Yeah. So if you think it's a lot. Yeah. You, it's because it, it is. It's because it's a lot. That's yeah. what people go through. Like, go actually speak to people who are black and, and speak to the communities that are dealing with, like, especially in, like, heavy areas like Chicago and other mm -hmm. places. It's like, you know, sh bad shit happens. And unfortunately, you know. Yeah. Like, even... Like when all the murders first happened in like the 80s in Cabrini Green, the mayor of Chicago moved into the apartments, like the Cabrini Green apartments for a few weeks to like bring attention yeah. to what's happening. So that's like somebody who actually went and lived yeah. in that area, like gave saw a what shit. it was like. And, and was trying to like do stuff about it did the best they could to understand what that yeah. situation is like so needless to say the one star reviews got me a little heated and yeah. it just so don't be shocked if you get pissed guys because if you get pissed you're you're gonna be pissed about it like you're correct in your feelings yeah are we just jump are we jumping in i mean yes i just want to say that yes one star reviews are sometimes funny but when you're dealing with a movie like this that is very charged with other sometimes topics. they're just important to talk about yeah instead of it being oh haha funny yeah one star reviews that's trash yeah i mean haha yeah the one star reviews are trash because this is a good movie but yeah it's still like mm -hmm. some of the commentary in them i only have two reflective there were just so many that were just so negative but basically this first one is they straight in go i'm not white nor am i american well that doesn't help you well the american part the not being american part is difficult because you really do have to be here to fully fucking understand what's going on in this fucking yeah in america it's true you cannot be outside if you are outside of it looking in you really don't get it yeah like you have to be here for a bit to truly get yeah. it and then the sentence right after that was like mm. it was however my god after five minutes i genuinely felt sorry for anyone who is white Ooh. i'm sorry uh, Oof. that is not a sentence that has ever been spoken, I think, unless you are far right. Yeah. Feeling bad for yourselves that, oh my God, the media hates us and yeah. people just like, they want to, they want to demonize us so bad. This like, is like the other film, be like talking about woke. Yeah. I'm like, so fucking, can we just like, just understand horror films can just be like a historical reenactment film. They can talk about or reference things in history and things like that that are fucking crucial topics. Yeah. And <laughs> I just, I don't know. They continue to say um, it's not edgy or different like they try to make it out to be. It's plain cringe. Do you think white people are so oblivious? Every time you try to get into the film, you just get pulled out every five minutes to just let you know that white people are the sole problem of the world. Um, do you, you are, as you already said, you don't live in America, so. The other thing. We got a lot of people who are oblivious. We are white people. Yeah, we are white people. Uh, watching this movie, I didn't feel like that. 
Nope. I didn't feel like I was being pulled out every five minutes to let me know that I'm the problem. I felt like I was drawn in farther. Yeah. Because it's a absolutely fascinating story and it's such an interesting topic and in the film the people who were taking advantage of them the people who didn't respect them the people who you know were rude to them got their shit kicked in yeah the Candyman character is a protector of black people Mm -hmm. period yeah that's why at the end when Brie calls on him, he protects she, He her. doesn't hurt her. No, you're right. Because she's not the problem. Correct. It's the people. Like, and it's not. And, and here's the thing. We're also trying to express, too. We are not saying all we all white people are like this. Like, don't no, do that bullshit. Not. That's like, oh, you're, you're referencing everybody. You're general. No, there are a lot of us. And especially in America, there are a lot mm-hmm. who are like this commenter. But we're just trying to get better. It's like that thing. I'm about to get political. Is that bad? Oof. Uh, get political and then we're going to try and real fast deviate. Okay. <laughs> so it's like there was a certain person, I'm not going to name, but I think when I say this, everyone's going to know, who said that white people are the number of white people who are killed by police is a lot higher than black people. While that may be true, yeah, there are there is a significant amount of white people in America versus black people. And when you put the number of black people who have died over white people who have died, it's a lot. Black people are targeted. Because it has they to do with the, the population demographic of those races. Yeah. Like, obviously There's white more people... white people, so there's gonna be a higher number, but at the same time if you compare that to the amount of black people in America... Like, if you put the number of like white people who have died by police over the total of white people mm-hmm. versus the total of black people over the total of black people over America, like... people, to- The people, percentage is... Way different. Way different. Way different. Like... So while it may be true that more white people die, there are just more of us. Yeah, there's just more of us. There is just more of us. So uh, there, there's a reason why in society it's called a minority group. Yeah. Because they are the minority, not the majority. Yeah. And while police brutality is a whole separate problem on its own. Oh, yeah. It's its own, like, that's it's its own issue. Like, it's its own fucking problem. People die from police and that's its own its own separate thing. But yeah. it's just the number of. Yeah. It's, it's the number. Yeah. You can't just like take things on a surface level and be like, oh, more white people are dying. Oh, so what are black people even talking about? Exactly. Do your research, babe. Do your research. Yeah. Do the yeah. numbers. It's like, do the math. I'm sorry, but there's just, there's, there's too often where people are freaking the fuck out about stuff that they don't need to be because they're hyper fixating on trying to put themselves in the right when they are definitely not. This one says, um, it keeps going says all you sense from it is pure hate and aggression like a little kid throwing a tantrum why can't you use your platform to include political undertones but encourage equality at the same time make Candyman kill anyone who's done something wrong to them regardless if they're white my god i'm sorry there were pe- black people who died yeah by Candyman in yeah. this movie it was a smaller number yeah but it still happened and even in the if you go back and watch the original film you were telling me yes that it's in like, the original film it was anyone it was just because this movie came out during, during this time really intense time that's just what the people who made this film are going to focus on more that's just how it's going to happen yeah yeah like it's kairos that's all i gotta say if you don't know what that is it's just basically it's a rhetorical device that people use 
and it just means that specific content was released during a specific time to relate the two together yeah like just yeah. so it sticks more it's like it's like photography that is done during a specific time or plays that are done during a specific time that yeah. reflect a specific time yes. it's because they have historical context yeah, it's just timing of things yeah so that's just how it is and then you have a second one i'm still not done with the fucking first oh, one yours, the first one is they still keep going going and i'm like Dude, why go for it I, like this person clearly feels like they got a lot to say do these writers and directors not realize that more than 50 percent of people who watch your film are most likely white while what that you just uh, you just yeah. said 50 yeah 50 percent. well there are definitely more white people but obviously this is going to attract a bigger black audience exactly however White people are still going to watch this film. Yeah. And if I'm correct, it did really good in the box it office. It did. So I'm, fucking great in the box office. I, I, I don't know. It says. Clearly, it's a good fucking movie. Yeah. And it says, all I could do was put my head down and feel genuinely sorry for the white people who viewed this film. Oh. It must suck in 2021 where equality is forced down your throat, but they somehow oh. make the most racist movie possible. That is just. Oh um so cringy i don't know how to swallow that i don't feel bad for me i don't feel bad for me i don't feel bad for I me i watched at all. that movie and i was like more power to them yeah for having something on their side and getting their story out like true, true. so uh, all of the people who were dicks in that film died yeah so i'm fine with it mm -hmm. they were all assholes they and were like, all trying to take advantage of them and all that kind of shit and didn't mm -hmm. give a shit about their actual existence true so fuck them and obviously not all white people are going to be like that but exactly. again timing of this movie exactly that's just it is a focus also area that the film was located yeah like it's gonna be different not... if we're in la or in new york or in fucking bumfuck texas because you know for a damn fact that would be a very different film if we Ooh. were in some of these places that are mm. sundown towns yeah so trust me <laughs> there are worse places right now in our current time that are still sundown towns yep so trust me when i say i do not feel sorry as a white person for white people in this film yeah <laughs> wild it still keeps going it, it, it's still going oh yeah holy shit this man really yeah felt it like says, they had thoughts and i'm skipping some little bits that oh really yeah important. go for it it says to top it off the ending was awful and honestly just a lie what i don't understand how we got to that point at the end the police officers were made to be automatic spineless pigs how intrinsically evil do you think white people are to just shoot the protagonist because he's black and then goes to try and bribe the other witness to act like nothing happened because she was black do you have any idea how often that actually happens now listen if you can find a modern example of this please let me know for god's sakes I would love to see it. It's hypocritical to its core. I don't know. Let's let's just pull up the long ass rap sheet of that happening all the fucking time. Yeah. Like I also also where is it like it was a lie? What is that referring to? Like the lie, like it's talking about do you really think police officers are like that? Some of them are. Yeah, some of them are. Some of them are. So some... why do you think people want to reform the system? Yeah. Because shit needs to start over. Priorities. Like there's also a level of it where police have too many are spread too fucking thin over way too many shit. Yeah. Do you understand the history of policemen? Like, do you understand where that comes from? 
what the origins of a policeman is. Their whole origin is based on individuals who were hired to go track and recover slaves that ran off. Their literal job was to track and recollect slaves for slave owners. That's crazy. Or eliminate them if a slave owner would... would ask so so i'm saying when when we say that there needs to be a reform and a refixing of the system there's history as to why yeah because they don't start out on a good history yeah so i yeah that's get, we're getting real deep into the weeds yeah i like where we're like we're not gonna make it political oof well tough tough the next one if you is... don't like it fucking go like, we don't want to here. I'm not going to apologize for it. This is how we feel. This is... Yeah. Everyone deserves respect. We're two fucking women. <laughs> Gay. Part of the LGBTQ <laughs> community. Yes. Like, if you're going to sit here and try and be like, Oh my, you're damn No. Like, <laughs> some shit is going down and shit needs to get fixed. Yeah. And we get it. Yeah. Obviously, to an extent... But we're not going to sit here and compare. Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Compare minorities and compare problems. Because yeah. it, it's not. You cannot. It's it's like when people are sick. You cannot compare someone who has a cold to someone who has cancer. It doesn't work like that. Both people can feel pain and feel sick. Obviously, one is going is through gonna, it way worse. Yeah. But you. Yeah. It's the same as you don't like, belittle anyone's no, anyone's thing. Don't belittle anyone's pain. Also, don't fucking compete. Don't no, compete. Competing is stupid, especially for this. Hell no, no. That's no. fucking stupid. No competing. There's, no competing. Don't do it. Like, why, why it would you? It just makes you look ignorant and stupid. And at the same time, obviously, if you're a part of what is the word? Describe it. Like a minority or like a LGBT or or women or people of color or like those groups no fucking clue well <laughs> i would have just said minority because my brain can't think of anything else there, there's, I don't a, even there's a specific word but i can't think about it like no i don't know but yeah I, yeah all of these people go through discrimination who gets discriminated against the worst is not a thing yeah obviously there are yeah i'm not gonna get into it anymore you you get what i mean oh yeah Oh, yeah. Next is... Oh, we're finally on the second one? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Next is Jordan Peele makes the exact same movies over and over. I don't know what it is about the original Candyman, maybe because of its subtlety of using race and equality just briefly for his reasoning to kill. Amazing storytelling and pacing, which makes it one of the best horror movies of all time. But this movie feels like a 19-year-old LGBTQ BLM culture vulture Ugh. made it. And while I'm not insulting those groups. Yes, you just but did. all of the movies he's done recently seem like the exact same movie over and over again. I'm sorry. That's just incorrect. That's fucking wrong. It's it's so incorrect. And I hate that you were like. How would you even quantify? Culture vulture. Us. I'm not insulting. To be in combination with Candyman. How would you say it's the same film? They're not at all. They are not and at all. And then he's also done Get Out and Nope. And, and like nope. all like, of those movies are drastically different. Just because he's using black actors as main characters. That's like saying all white movies are the exact same movie. Exactly. And you want to know what? There's a lot of white movies that, that are very are the similar. exact same. But none of, I don't see, obviously there's a, a similar theme pattern within each yeah, one. But they're what? not the same movies As at a all. fucking artist, you're allowed to have a theme through your work. Yeah. 
Yeah. Who fucking cares? And then there were other people in like the reviews saying like, why would you bash all of these people and then like complain and criticize, but then do nothing to help the cause? What do you think these movies are doing? They're literally bringing stuff into the zeitgeist and making people aware of all of the bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry. What people... do you think popular film, movies, TVs, all sorts of shit do? Yeah. Also, it brings forth all of these amazing people of color who are fucking wonderful actors yeah. and bringing them into the forefront and saying, hey, these people exist. Fucking hire them because yeah. they're amazing. If you go back the last 30 years and look at who's been nominated and who has won best actor actress yeah most of them are white people yeah <laughs> yeah so like you can't say that they haven't had so many chances over and over and over yes. again like at a certain point you need to like bring these people into light and you like they need to have exactly recognition it just it makes me think about the fucking this is definitely not a fucking horror film, but it makes me think of The Little Mermaid and just the bullshit that went with that. That was so dumb. People freaking the fuck out. She's and a I'm fish. like, she's, she's absolutely fish. beautiful. Absolutely beautiful casting. Yeah. Love her. Hell yes. And it made so many black little girls yes. all over the fucking world be I'll... like, there's someone who looks like me who's now, who's a princess and they get to go see her in the parks and shit. Yeah. Like, for fuck sure. yeah. Like, she's a goddamn fish that lives in the ocean. <laughs> I love Ariel. I've Who loved Ariel my she's whole a, life. A princess from Denmark. I, I don't care. I don't care. give a fuck. I don't care. She lives in the ocean. As far as I'm concerned, she she's a fish. Uh, and nothing will change my mind. Because after watching this one video of this little black boy who was, like, holding Ariel, like, yeah. the original Ariel doll, and, like, started watching the trailer for The New Little Mermaid he was so beyond happy yeah. and like excited that somebody looked like him it's just so and cute. it I, I was sobbing i was like oh my god like yeah. and you see all the families going to go see these films yeah. and stuff and it's like and what's even more awesome is i think somewhere in hollywood the original voice actor of ariel showed up to some of the yes the stuff and yeah. like people were taking pictures and it was mm -hmm. like so cute because they had the new ariel doll mm -hmm. and she's so fucking excited yeah the fucking original voice of ariel is so excited about the new ariel and everything like that like y'all need to ch chill the fuck out really it's art it's a art. movie it's a movie art is art it's subjective i don't give a fuck who the fuck you are all of it's subjective. At a certain point, it's like, obviously, I want to see new stories of new yes. black characters and yes. new, like, histories of just... Other areas of the world. Other areas and other cultures. And yes. not just remaking white characters into black characters where i get exactly. why that would be amazing to see because a character you love I in your want own skin black cultures yeah being presented like, i want new stories because everything's like, a remake now hey we just talked about disney hey disney do an african princess that's actually from africa that's what i'm saying i that don't know why they so, haven't and she would be so beautiful for fucking real like do a tribal like why haven't powerful they done ass I don't understand why. Like, I know they've got the Wakanda forever and everything, but I would love, like, an animated Disney film. Yes. That has this, like, powerful-ass African princess. Hell yeah. Yeah. It could... Hell, if you don't want to make her a princess, you could just make her a warrior and she has Mulan status. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because guess what? The only reason why that the fucking Mulan is a, is considered a Disney princess is because they altered their own stipulation in order to make her one. Yep. They made it so that you could be a warrior and shit like that. So guess what? I would love that. But that's what I'm saying. Like, stop making remakes. I want new stories. The only reason why they make remakes is because they're trying to bring it to the, to the younger and that audience. that obviously makes sense. Love that. Because that's um, even for this film. It, it brings the story to the modern format. Yeah. I love how they contemporary Mm -hmm. as many of my teachers would be like they avoid saying modern because because modern is technically technically not modern we're contemporary yeah modern is a whole different genre yeah modern is actually before us yeah Mm -hmm. contemporary is where we are now it's because when you say modern you think of today today yeah Eh. yeah terminology but you get what i mean i want new stories i obviously understand why they're recreating things for like newer audiences today and like obviously seeing yourself as one of your favorite characters like one of your favorite characters in your skin yeah that has to be a good feeling and it's not like they're it's not like they fucking just stopped making the original fucking ariel no they didn't they're not gonna stop making that doll she's been popular as that character for so fucking long they're not gonna just be like well now we have a black ariel so let's just throw out all the originals it's just now you have your choice where i see where that would also cause some tension of like which one's better but like who fucking gives a shit don't do that they're both the same fucking character they're both great they're it's variants of the same thing it's why i'm so fucking excited because they are still gonna do it is the tianu bayou ride i'm so fucking hyped for that yeah yeah i'm so hyped for that if they if it's trash i'm gonna be so i'm gonna be so pissed i'm gonna be so pissed because disney you have good good animatronics fucking use them yeah yeah i swear to god the frozen ride a dis a fucking appointment like you have beautiful i've seen that fucking beauty and the beast that's in wherever the fuck it is because i can't remember if it's in asia or in fucking france but wherever that fucker is i've seen that beauty and the beast ride and that shit those animatronics are amazing and beautiful you better bring that shit here yeah people need to just shit to fuck up yep and mind their own business not mind their own business oh well they need to like mind all of the world that's what i'm saying be real be fucking real yeah be open don't be ignorant yeah like obviously neither of us are perfect either we we have so many things to learn and unlearn and but that's the whole point that is the whole point we are trying and if that if you just start trying that that's that's your life will get better if you just fucking try yeah to be a better person yeah we just uh, let's get off this hot ass train yeah mm. (laughs) because let's get off this hot ass train all right so our next our next episode we can end it there i think we've done pretty good yeah we've done a lot we've gotten our point across i think so so yes it is halloween time frame it is october it is finally going to be fucking halloween so excited our next film is trick or treat a classic i don't understand how it's a classic it came out in 2007 yeah it's a cult classic i don't understand that how the fuck old were you in 2007 it was five yeah i was not that was not that long ago that was 15 years i know but it's like it's a character of halloween he's the spirit of halloween okay it's still just cute anyway yeah he's really cute yeah I love he's a cute character i love sam anyway so yeah look forward to that uh send us uh an email or anything tell us your thoughts on some shit uh, horrorunmasked at gmail.com as long as you are nice about it yeah follow us at instagram and twitter at horror unmasked listen to us spotify itunes at horror unmasked podcast subscribe to our youtube channel at horror unmasked podcast like rate us review you know it helps with the algorithm helps to get us out there yeah yeah but i think with that there's only one thing left to ask will you fear or will you fear not <laughs>